right. Let's get music started right away. Hi, Shirley. Let me just get my mic on and say hi to everybody. All right, you workout freaks. One minute countdown to Tuesday morning, 6.45. Soho, fat suicide. All you need is a light set of weights, a heavy set of weights, a mat and the immediate obsessive compulsive delusional desire to live clean and light, get fit and firm, and change your life forever. Warm up starts in 60 seconds, 55, 54, 53, that's it. Hey Sally, how are you? How was church at Keiko's? I love your top. Jessica, this is my husband, Steve. Oh, Steve, hey. nice to meet you. I've heard all about you. I understand you've cut down your workouts to four days a week. <laughs> Must have been hard to give up on yourself and your marriage like that. <laughs> Wait, what? Are there any injuries or pregnancies I should know about before we get started? Okay, as a reminder, if you are pregnant and you do not tell me, I am not responsible. This is an intense, highly militaristic, no holds barred, 22nd century workout experience. If you are constipated now, you will not be for much longer. If you are not physically and mentally nauseated by the end of this class, you are not doing it right. Okay, 20 seconds to go. It's almost time for fat suicide. We will soon make fat so lonely and depressed it will commit suicide by jumping off of a metaphorical bridge to a better life. Let's push till we have nothing left. No hobbies, no interests, nothing but ourselves. Let's violently abuse and murder that fat from your life, from your body, from everything. Five seconds left to warm up! You're listening to Bricolage. Truth, comedy, politics. With your host, Lev. On this episode of Bricolage, we hear a new bop that's top of the pops. Listen in on a Florida retirement community board meeting, and I chat with my friend and former colleague Janelle, a black Wisconsinite with thoughts on everything from the song of the summer to white privilege. Plus, trivia with Josh Ellis. But first, sponsors! This episode of Bricolage is brought to you by Clinton Hill Simply Art Gallery. Whatever your framing needs may be, LB has got you covered. Also by snowboarding when stoned. If Olympians do it, it must be safe for me and my child. Finally, this episode of Bricolage is brought to you by homophobic Neanderthals, burning cars and assaulting women, all while screaming the lyrics to We Are The Champions, a deeply personal gay empowerment anthem, just because their sports team won a trophy. Okay, I call to order this evening meeting of the Olive Grove Community Board. The time is 4.27 p.m. and the date is November 11th, 
2019. Okay, okay, I'm gonna be dead by the time this is over. Yeah, Can we move on, dead. please? Jerry, Come on. Will you stop? Let him run the meeting. Thank you, Hyman. Okay, anyways, attendance time. All right, let's see here. Okay, first is me, Bruce Weintraub, board secretary, present. Gertrude Wasserstein, treasurer. I'm here. Welcome back, Gertie. How was New York? Humid. Very humid. Sticky. Uncomfortable. Oh, my my grandson lives in Brooklyn. He of took course. us to visit right. one of these food halls. There's no reservations, no seating. What? I said, is money a problem? Can we go to a real restaurant, please? Okay. Uh, next up, Gerald Frankel, Vice President. I'm here, but I'm still very much on the verge of death. One breath at a time, Jerry. Okay, Esther Diamond, staff liaison. I am here, and as I have been since 1977, I am queer, so I am here and I am queer. Finally, Hyman Mortelbaum, our fearless president. Hello, happy to be here. I've never been more excited to be anywhere in my 83 years on this earth. First order of business, vacancies. Gertrude? There are three vacancies in the Goldemeyer bungalows. One vacancy in the Netanyahu building, and we are still waiting for news about Seymour Bergelman. What happened to Seymour? It doesn't look good, Jaime. Oi, he had multiple falls. On Friday, he fell from the walker, and today I saw he had a fall out of the wheelchair. I have to again bring up that we should be renaming the Netanyahu building. Not this crap again. He's a warrior. We are moving off of the agenda. Please, the only thing worse than Madoff is a self-hating Jew. That's what you are. You know that you're a self-hating Jew. This is not on the agenda. Can we move back to the agenda, please? Rhoda and I have a 5.15 dinner reservation at Kaufman's, and I am not the type to be tardy. Thank you, Bruce. For the four vacancies, have belongings already been collected? And are we going to purchase the units from the children of the deceased? We have the funds. We have the funds. And I move that we purchase the units. Wink, wink. Market value rates have just taken another coincidental nosedive. Although those in favor say aye. Aye. Yes. Jerry. Uh, my last dying breath. Yes. And another ceremonial veto of Benjamin Netanyahu for me, please. The motion carries. Finally on the agenda, staff turnover. Back to you, Esther. Okay. The following maintenance staff have been fired due to resident complaints for the following reasons. Jose Guzman, anti-Semitism. Antoine Jackson, anti-Semitism. Chef Matthew Duclair, anti-Semitism. Herschel Shapiro, married a Shiksa because he's an anti-Semite. Juan Maldonado, anti-anti-anti-Semitism. Anthony Casamides, anti-Semitism. Mark Thompson, anti-Semitism. Ali Abdallah, being a Muslim. Christina O'Connor. Don't 
Now here's the question. Founded in 1926, the ITTF is the international governing body of what sport, which has been an official Olympic sport since 1988. Once again, founded in 1926, the ITTF is the international governing body of what sport, which has been an official Olympic sport since 1988. My guest on this episode of Bricolage is a rare bird. A jaybird, if you will. Her name is Janelle. We met on my first day at my law firm job right out of law school. She was my office mate. She's taught me a lot and she keeps on teaching me, often against my will, but almost always for good reason. Janelle Wise, everybody. There's going to be some clapping or what? There could okay. be. <laughs> Happy to be here. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yes, 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 yes. Long time coming. Yes. So when we were office mates, you talked to me quite a bit about the song of the summer. So (laughs) in your opinion, what makes a song the song of the summer? And does it have to be a club banger? Like, what are the characteristics that make something a song of the summer? It's got to be a bop, right? What is a bop? A bop is like, you can just like listen to it when you're on the train. You can listen to it when you're walking on the street. Like, it's got your head bopping when you're at like a barbecue. The gays can turn it into a club jam so they can put like... So there is a club element to it. Oh, yeah. It does have to get played in clubs. But can a... Now, what... Is there a requirement for particular genres in order to be a bop? No. Interesting that you may ask because Cher, you may or may not know, is, is doing a... Um, ABBA cover ABBA album? ABBA cover. I know all about uh, it. Dancing Queen. the last time we hung out, <laughs> you put the whole album on on repeat. Yes. I think it's wonderful, but not because of Cher. Because she got she paid some people who were very good no. to sing the backing. But let me, let me say this. Her rendition, her cover of Gimme, 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 A Man After Midnight is yeah. a bop. But does it have to be... Are the lyrics relevant to making it a bop? Like, does there have to be something that people connect with? Uh, I don't focus on lyrics. Like, I like a beat. I like some good transitions. And like I said, the gays got to be able to make it into a club dram for when they take their shirts off and go dance at Output. Why don't gay women get a say in what the song of the summer hey, is? nobody said that, man. You just put some more... <laughs> Well, you're talking about taking their shirts off. but I mean, like, have you ever heard of horse meat disco? No, but I want to know about it. So if it's a song that you could play at horse meat disco and all, like, the gays, and I guess there's there's lesbian women there, too, go crazy, that's a bop. Okay. What else is a bop? If it's stuck in your head and you keep, like, singing it over and over again, have you heard Janet Jackson's She has a new song? song? She has a new song out with Pitbull. It was up to me and let my buddy Les Moonves. (laughs) She would never have recorded another song. (laughs) So we've Uh, heard. Wait, so what's it called? Oh, God, what is that song called? Off the top of my head, I can't remember the title. Okay, but she has a new song but that's kind has, of clubby, so she's... Yeah. Okay, so it's not really, like, soulful. And it's got... No, 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 It's it, Nobody's talking about soulful here. We're, we're talking, talking about, about a, like we're an talk- uns, uns thing at this point. We're just... Or we're talking about, like, something that, like, spawns a dance, like uh, Drake, In My Feelings. Like, Kiki, do you love me? Are you riding? You know, like, and there's like, a, there was like a whole dance challenge. Okay. Oh, the dance challenge I'm familiar with. Yeah. The In My Feelings challenge. So Let me tell you be- this. Most of what I know about <laughs> music pop culture comes from me browsing through Twitter. Okay. And seeing that black people that I follow on Twitter are doing something and learning about it. Yeah. If you want to know about the culture, black Twitter's your friend. Okay. So what are some examples of recent songs of the summer? And what is this year's oh, gosh. song of the summer? Hold on. Let me look that up because I actually had have a running Song of the Summer playlist that I've been keeping for years. There was a Sia song. Sia Chandeliers? Or did she no. have another song? 
Titanium. Oh. That was a song of the summer. How did that go again? I am Titanium. That was one. All right, so here are some examples of songs of the summer. Let's go back to 2002. Hot and her, Nelly. Oh, I remember. Listen, I was in college in St. Louis, so I'm very familiar with that song because I showed up to St. Louis in the middle of Nelly fever. That was one. That's literally a song for the gays to take their clothes off to. <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't know if many St. Lunatic songs make it Do into gay clubs. Do you not know jams? any of their other? Uh, I remember they had a music video where they were all like playing baseball, and I remember uh, thinking that was like only a St. Louis rapper would like get that into baseball. That's a. Uh, that's like a for cornrows and manicured yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was like, but no, but are we talking about the yeah, right one with the baseball down, video? Down, baby, yeah, it was like a nursery rhyme. Yeah, yeah, it was absurd. I just picture like Nelly's lawyer or like some entertainment lawyer is like trying to clear the sample for a children's <laughs> rhyme. He's like, I don't know who wrote it. We can't, we don't have it. It's in the public domain. Listen, Mr. Nelly, we do not have the sample. We cannot clear that. So what else we have? I Kissed a Girl, Katy Perry. Okay, that was what, 03, 04? That was uh, 2008. I Got a Feeling, The Black Eyed Peas. That was 2008? Wow, I Got a Feeling, yeah. That was 2009, California Girls. Oh, yeah. Katy Perry and Snoop. That was law school. I was in law school for that. Billionaire with Travi McCoy and Bruno Mars. I don't even know if I know that one. I want to be a billionaire so freaking bad. I told you, I do not have rights. You've got to stop singing these fucking songs. 2011, Party Rock anthem we all Party know that one is in the house yeah that okay. was one <laughs> i guess we have to do sound alikes so it's like where have you been rihanna in your opinion where does rihanna rank as between like beyonce and like you know whatever the opposite of beyonce would me i guess is the yeah. opposite of beyonce not close to beyonce okay where where uh, is she like lady gaga she's entertaining okay i don't think she's the greatest singer is she a good dancer uh i think she's something of a lazy performer at concerts <laughs> but i think that's partially cuz she likes to like get high doesn't she yeah she loves weed yeah, so i have a lot like, of respect for she her she likes as to a be musician. like she dance listen she can dance she can do it but like beyonce is like a pure like i can see rihanna finding like a second life with hippies her last album was really good actually yeah. All right. What um, else anti- you got? Fancy. What? Iggy Azalea. I'm so. Oh yeah. That was uh, not a good song. Blurred lines. Okay. That can't def- hold us. Yeah. That was a big one. Let's see. Uh, it seems like the lyrics do matter, though. Yeah. You gotta be able to like. Sing I mean, they them. don't matter for purposes of us reproducing them. Yeah. Right no, no, no. We don't need to do that. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, there. Um, I feel like it is like the spirit of it. Like singing about taking your clothes off is more likely to become a bop. Not necessarily. And bops are then going to become SOTS. Remember Fetty Wap, Trap Queen? That was a song of the was summer. That, that was like a black Twitter thing, yeah, I right? I think it was, everybody was into Fetty Wap that summer. <laughs> then the next year, Cheap Thrills, Sia, she came through again. Okay. This is what you came for. Calvin Harris and Rihanna, that was a really good one. Okay, yeah. Because that was one, I believe I went to Coachella that year, and that was the one everybody loved to do Molly and throw down to. Journalistically, you observe people yes, doing yes, these yes, things. Yes, 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 yeah. yes. Um, never would have done something like that myself. So yeah, so listen, I've, I've taken you through to like 2017 of some okay, of the... Okay, so what was last year's Song of the Summer? <sighs> I picture, I Wild picture, Thoughts. What's that? Um, DJ Khaled. 
Khaled and Rihanna. Is that one of the ones where he just shouts his name at DJ the beginning? DJ Khaled. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then it's hard Rihanna, to tell. Yeah. It's also, it has like the Carlos Santana background yes, to yes. it. Yes, yes. The one that sampled Maria Maria. Yes. Oh, yes. no, no. Actually, you know what? Despacito. Oh, yeah. Despacito was like the that song of the, the year. That was the song of the summer that was hot. Yeah. Even though you didn't even know half of what they were saying, it was hot. Well, the lyrics don't matter. Yeah, they don't. That's what I'm telling you. So what do you think about this summer's song of the summer? It might I still be Despacito. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I, I guess I'm going to go with Drake in my feelings. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that's I just think the it final was, answer. It's either Drake in my feelings or that other Drake song. Is it okay to be like, oh, Drake is like, I mean, he's like a child star. Like, he's like the Justin Timberlake of rap. Um, like, has he yeah. transcended well, that at this point? I think Drake has gotten away from his reputation as Jimmy from Degrassi. I think he's. <laughs> I never watched Degrassi. But oh, I was you a know huge what, fan of Degrassi. Were you? Oh, of yeah. him particularly. Once Jimmy like was in the wheelchair and he started rapping, I kind of like lost interest. But he right. was like a wheelchair bound rapper in Degrassi. That's when it jumped the shark or wrapped a, a chair. Whatever it yeah. was, it just you know. But no, you know what? I think Drake has successfully carved out his like niche as a rapper. Sells a lot of albums. Yeah, but he um, doesn't really. He rap can jump about, genres. Like, traditional rap subjects no. were a little bit like he has like a ton of rap love songs which I feel like I always say that Drake is like problematic as a rapper not because he says like bitches and hoes and all that but because Drake is like if you stay a good girl I'll love you forever but like you know if you're stepping out on me then you're a hoe and you should die like Drake is like one of those like insidious like gaslighters you know like okay. his, I feel like he's he, he has gaslight rap okay gaslight rap <laughs> yeah you may have just coined what he is no but really he's like you know you were a good girl and you know but now you have a new boyfriend are you boyfriend. seeing the lyrics to blurred lines no no no, no. <laughs> no but Drake has all these songs about you being a good girl right. and like it's you know Drake will rap about women. He, he likes them if they do what he thinks makes them. I don't know, keeps them pure, or I don't. I don't really know what it is. It's really sounds weird. like he's like the Catholic Church as he's, a rapper. Yeah, but I think he's a, he's a bit of a like gaslighter. You're one of my favorite people to follow on social media. You have this thing you do where you directly address the people with whom you both went to high school and disagree vehemently about politics. wonder if you could talk a little bit about that and about what those people are like. Maybe that would require you to talk about where you're from and, and all that, but I'll let you get into that. So yeah, uh, I'm from southeastern Wisconsin. And what does that entail? For people who may not know the geography of the so state of Wisconsin. Milwaukee. The Milwaukee area. The Milwaukee, Milwaukee area, which suburbs, is... Suburbs, exurbs. I am from like a suburb outside of Milwaukee proper, but I'm from a place called the North Shore, which is basically like a bunch of mostly white suburbs ringing like a almost all black inner city. For some reason, I just picture Milwaukee from the Laverne and Shirley intro sequence, and I, I guess it's, maybe it's, it's changed not, since it's, then. It's 100% changed since okay. then. There is a lot of, not in my school necessarily, but people that I knew in college had and, never and you met. you went to college at the University of Wisconsin yes, and law school at the University yes. of Wisconsin. I did all my schooling in Wisconsin. Yes. So listen, our town was like 10 minute drive from fucking silos and like still farmland and they were like wow. changing farmland over into subdivisions and stuff. 
So, listen, I just went to school with a bunch of ignorant white people who, like, went to Brown Deer High, maybe went to college, maybe didn't, dropped out, maybe went to technical school, which there's nothing nothing wrong with. They all still live in Brown Deer. Or they I forget in- who said this, but it's a technical school is technically not a school. I'm not, it's not my quote. <laughs> listen, I don't necessarily feel that way. No, but I, know, I, just I, know, put it, I just put it this way. I, these people, like, born and raised in Wisconsin, never left, never had to expand their, their worldview. Kind of people who don't have passports. The kind of people who don't have passports. No, honestly, yeah. for real, no, yeah. don't have passports. There were black people in our high school, so they didn't have the excuse of saying, going to college and being like, you're the first black people I know, but I did inter- encounter those people when I went to college. You like, encountered people at the University of Wisconsin oh, yeah. who had never met a black person. Yes. Wow. Women who lived in my dorm had never met a black person, or I never, or had seen a black person, but never spoken to a black person before. It was so, it was so fucking surreal. Anyway, I'm still friends with all these people for some reason right, on you, Facebook. Of course, of course. So you're friends with these people on Facebook. These are predominantly white people. Oh, these are all white people. Okay. Like, we're talking like white, white we're people. We're talking Wisconsin white people. So, what does that entail? Can you describe the average dairy farmer? I mean, it's not dairy farmers. It's stuffing just, their face with curds. It's just <laughs> it's just Midwest white people okay. who, like, do the same shit every week. They go to the same fucking fish fry. They go to the same supper club, deer hunting season. Can you do an impression they're of like them? I, I don't I, even I, have a I, sense I can't, for I can't what even it's do like. it anymore. I've, I've masked that accent. But these people, they like, go up to their deer stands with a bunch of beer and fucking blaze orange and they're just out there getting wasted and shooting at deer and shit. Or they're ice fishing. They're they're in their little ice fishing fucking hut so you have a little hut over a hole in the ice and you just sit in there and you get drunk and you ice fish. These are these people. Anyway, so... Where, Where do they pee? They just walk Where outside. Yeah. But isn't it an indoor thing? So it's not wherever you want. You don't just pee in the hut, do you? You can pee on the ice. It's ice. I have a lot of questions about it's ice. ice. <laughs> you pee through the hole? You can pee. Th- it's ice. But that's going to make the it's fish gonna... ain't going to be interested Listen, in Listen, I don't go ice fishing, so I don't know if the fish like it or not, but you're just outdoors. Anyway, yeah, okay. these people are like... I never thought them to be ignorant until Donald Trump was elected and I realized all of them are like have become these like Donald Trump acolytes and it's really embarrassing. I think a lot of people woke up and realized that people they knew from high school are morons. Yeah, I mean, listen, I always knew they were morons. I never would. <laughs> I, I didn't even go back to my uh, my 10 year reunion because I hated everybody there. But then I see like all the stupid like homophobic and pro-Trump and just dumb shit that they like on Facebook and then it spurs me and I like get up a big head of rage and then I like type out statuses in which I address it to you and y'all and it's addressed directly to those do people. they know that you're addressing them they have to right and like the, it's do the, they it's, respond it's a, do they take it, the bait it's a subtweet. <laughs> um they don't take the bait you know what they do they um like privately message me like they DM me they to go on what? messenger and just be like well like I think this is really unfair or I don't think this is the right character they don't want to go on my wall because they know they'll be dragged down to hell by everybody that I'm friends with. They know better. Like, so they don't want to get dragged. So they'll like approach me on DM and be like, well, I actually think this is unfair because of X, Y, and Z, blah, 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 blah. But they'd never want to like have a debate publicly on my wall. Right. But I'll, I'll continue to address them. But these are people, them. if you were at a Packers game with them or a, or a Badgers game, like you could get along with these people, no harm, no foul, or we pass that We're past that. I would, I would never spend time. When you meet people from Wisconsin who remind you of the people you grew up with are you like you know what fuck it not even going there just gonna assume these people are done and past it never 
I would not assume that anybody believes anything. But at the first hint, I'm like, <laughs> no. Just to let you know, I, I feel this with where I grew up. Is Nassau the one with the sundown towns? I don't know what you're talking about. Five towns? There were towns in Long Island called sundown towns. What did that mean? It meant that if you were black, or I guess any person of color, mm. don't be caught there after sundown. I can't believe you never heard of sundown towns. No, I never heard about that. I think Levittown was a sundown town, but I, as far as I understand, there's some other ones there, in Long I mean, Island. Long Island is a racist place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so there were places um, called sundown. I mean, sundown. a lot of places are racist places, but I remember when I was in high school, my um, I had a black friend. <laughs> <laughs> so if the NAACP is listening, listening, I guess I'm ready for my image award now. But anyways, my friend Phil was uh, the piano player in my band and we had a gig out in Port Jefferson. Mm -hmm. I remember thinking my parents were nuts. They were like, you're gonna get pulled over for driving while black. Are you crazy? And I was like, okay, mom and dad, like a couple too many Bombays over there. Why don't you relax? (laughs) But you know what? Like my my folks were like dead on, like totally. I mean, I've never talked to Phil about it. I'd love to ask him about it. Maybe if he's listening, he'll he'll let me know. Phil, if you're listening, please call in. You know, I think it's like, it's so funny how like the more time you spend away from where you grew up, the more you appreciate parts of it. Yeah. But the more you're also just like, fuck that. I feel the same way. Like, I love Wisconsin. Like I said, like, you know, you mentioned I went to, I was born there. I was raised there. Went to undergrad there. I went to law school there. There's a lot about Wisconsin I love and I have a lot of Wisconsin pride, but I am very ashamed of Wisconsin these days. And I'm very ashamed of many of the people that I knew because they weren't the people that I thought they were, you know? And it's mm. it's hard to like reconcile because I've always been like, rah, rah, Wisconsin. But I'm like, oh, also my town's full of dumb fucks and like any state that would elect Scott Walker twice is full of dumb fucks too so what are you gonna do so yeah so i fight these people on the internet something i've started doing since the election is i'll just like go through the like replies to like popular tweets and just start engaging with right wingers no it's pretty much the dumbest thing a person can do i don't know what it is i don't know like how my parents fucked me up to cause me to do this (laughs) like i don't know what the derivation is but i just like desperately want to find common ground with these people because i i have to believe that they're sane rational people but it's all about like worldview and experience and they lack it completely that's true but i also think listen this is harsh but i'm gonna say it honestly if these people at this point can't say to themselves voting for donald trump was a mistake this was a bad mistake I don't want anything to do with you. But what like, if what if all no, no, they no. care about? But no, no, no. But no, I no, agree. No. I but agree. No, no. But I don't want to have a conversation with you. Oh, it I doesn't see. have to be about politics. I don't want to talk about the Packers. I don't want to talk about the Brewers. I don't want to talk about everyday things. I want to talk about your favorite ice cream. I don't want to talk about anything with you. I bet you it's vanilla. You yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I I I refuse. I've decided that these people need to be cut off because as long as you continue to engage them, as long as you continue to act like everything is okay, they don't feel any shame. They don't feel any remorse. They think that it's just, you know, life can go on as usual, even though they support this just horrible man with horrible views. And I want to disabuse people of that notion that, listen, you support this guy? That's it. Like, don't talk to me. I have nothing to talk to you about. And unfortunately, we might, you know, we might have common ground. We might like the same sports team. But I'm not talking to you as if this is business as usual and everything's normal. I'm not normalizing it, right? Like, there's a kind of talking about mundane topics and, like, putting on your, like, smiley face with these people when you know that they support awful things. That's something you'll do with family, but that's about it. Uh, No. I think it's time to cut family off, too. (laughs) If you're you're that, that 
that far gone at that point. Like, I don't care if we share the same grandparents. But do you think it's acceptable for an evangelical Christian who only cares about abortion to have voted for Donald Trump because he knew that Donald Trump was going to appoint the, you know, Federalist Society approved judges who were pro-life? I get why you would vote for Donald Trump. But to counter that, if you really cared about life, why don't you care that there's children basically in fucking baby jails, mini concentration Well, but you wouldn't have known that in 2016. No, 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 but now I'm saying repent. (laughs) (laughs) Say say it the Lord. No, no, no. I'm saying I don't blame you, perhaps. I mean, listen, Donald Trump's an ignorant fuck, so I do blame you for not seeing that, but... By the way, baby jails could be the song of the summer. (laughs) That sounds like it could be a bumping jam. Should we put together a song of the summer jam? Baby jails. Baby jails. I feel like it could be... Oh, well, fine. Now I'm the bad guy. Maybe it was a protest song. You're not a bad guy, but baby jails. Damn. I mean, if it had a hot beat, people would probably fuck. (laughs) Because the lyrics don't matter. People would fuck with it if it had a hot beat. The question was... Founded in 1926, the ITTF is the international governing body of what sport, which has been an official Olympic sport since 1988? The answer is table tennis. Some famous table tennis players include Ma Long, Forrest Gump, and Randy Daytona. You have a lot of colorful phrases, and I wonder if we could do a lightning round where we run through some of these things you taught me. Okay. A long time ago, you explained the concept of gay face to me, and I wonder if you would be willing to explain that on the podcast. That's interesting, I because I think I told you this. Gay face can't be explained. You're putting me in a bind here, man, because I, I would have to explain what gay face is. First of all, this is probably wildly inappropriate for me to be talking about, but my gay friends let let me get away with it, so. Okay, well, you're um, the one who taught it to me. I, I certainly can't bring it up. Fine bone feature, larger eyes, fuller lips. Does hair or body... Body type have anything to do with it? Um, not necessarily. What about facial hair? No facial hair permitted with gay face. Well, if we're talking about twinks, no. But you can have you can have facial hair and have gay face. You know Gus Kenworthy, he's got a beard and he's got gay face. Who's Gus Kenworthy? This this uh, snowboarder. The Olympian. Okay, the Olympian snowboarder has gay face. Yes. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Gus Kenworthy, gay face, is, gay man. He is gay, yes. <laughs> oh, is he factually, yes, he's, he's out fa- of the closet. Yeah, yeah, Oh, I yeah. thought we were breaking exclusive no, 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 news no, no, here. No, 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 This is well known. Adam Rippin, right. figure skater. He's got right. gay face. Right. Riffraff. 
The lowest of the low. What is that? What just that the, the people that are just low. They're like just beneath you. They're the unwashed masses. Just the okay. just the riffraff. So poor people? Not necessarily. Oh, no, no. You don't have to okay. be poor to be riffraff. Okay, so it's just kind of like like a rich douchebag could be riffraff. Yeah. It's morally. A group of rich douchebags yelling and acting a fool and being drunk. They're riffraff. Okay. Christ on a cracker. What does that... <laughs> What does that mean? It doesn't really have a meaning. It's just an expletive. You're not supposed to say it. But it's just, it's a... It's does a, it refer to the Catholic... No, it doesn't. ...wafer? It's just another way to say Jesus fucking Christ without saying Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> Christ on a cracker. So as a practicing <laughs> Christian, you can't say JFC. You shouldn't say JFC. You shouldn't say JFC, so you'll put the guy on a cracker. The idiom probably has some origin to it. I don't know it. I just say it to not take the Lord's name in vain and swear alongside it, so... Okay. I also say Christ on a bike. What is Christ... <laughs> It's the same thing. It's the same (laughs) They didn't have the wheel. Oh, no, they did have the wheel already. I believe they did. Okay. What about caucasity? Could you talk about that? Listen, I didn't make that one up. I got that one from Jesus and Miro, yep. formerly of Iceland, going to have a Showtime, Showtime show. So watch, that's my company. As a, as, a, as a true company man. As a company woman. Company CBS woman, company yeah. woman. Listen, there's just some stuff that white people do that only white people do. Somebody that I went to school with told me uh, as we were having a debate about something that I didn't understand the law. This person, I think, is like completed two semesters at ITT Tech. I am a lawyer, <laughs> licensed to practice in two jurisdictions, and I was told that I just I just didn't understand the law. This was a white guy. That is caucasity. I was pretty sure it was a dude. No, no, no. Here's a better example of caucasity, actually. Okay. Donald Trump. Right. And associates. If you know that you've been doing all kinds of dirt around the world, possibly money laundering, why would you encourage your homie to run for president? The most scrutinized office in the world. Lay low. It's Keep doing your reason, dirt. Yeah. This all could have been avoided, if not for caucasity. Oh, but caucasity is also just white people just do some crazy shit that other people would never do. Like and what? then you're just like, I don't know, like kissing their dogs on the mouth and shit. <laughs> like <laughs> White people with pets, generally. Yeah. It's unacceptable um, behavior. Saw, you know how you're supposed to have your dog in a bag if you want to get on the subway? Putting your dog in a big, like, L.O. bean bag and cutting holes in the bag so the dog is still walking, but the dog is in a bag. That's caucasity. I mean, the list goes on I and wish on. the listener could see <laughs> Janelle's upturned brow as she describes caucasity. Well, speaking of caucasity, I'm a straight white man who's never faced any real adversity. Okay, is that true? Well, certainly not any real adversity. I guess the closest adversity I could come up with is when I lived in Japan for a year, I was like followed around clothing stores and like people looked at me like I was Vin Diesel because I was like this threatening, imposing man who was above five feet tall. It's sort of like Barbara Ehrenreich in that book where she like went undercover as like a lower middle class, like poor person. Yeah. And like tried to learn about minimum wage jobs and that kind of thing. As you mentioned already, you are a black woman. Mm-hmm. What was it like for you growing up the way you grew up? What is it that people who have never grown up not privileged? So I guess men, particularly white men, particularly straight white men. What is it that we don't know that we should? It's an interesting question. It has layers because I definitely grew up in a predominantly white community. But my family was from a predominantly black neighborhood, right? So I had kind of, I could go back and forth into both those 
those worlds, right? You could code switch. I could code switch, yeah. I could be in the hood at my grandmother's house playing double dutch, like jump a double dutch, and then I could be like in my distributive education clubs of America class, you know, or my French, like being the president of the French club. I could do all that stuff. I think what people don't get is like, it's a grind, man. Death by a thousand cuts. All the little things add up. Like what? You constantly felt like you had to be better? Yeah, you feel you have to be better. You have to be twice as good. You feel disrespected and you have to to hold your tongue because if you get angry or you get mad, then you're labeled for the rest of your life as an angry black woman or an angry minority or whatever, or just an angry woman or a bitch. You know, I've been labeled as all of those things. I mean, I am angry. Mostly by me. Yeah, I mean, listen, yeah, <laughs> you you had a hand in that. <laughs> no, I forgive you. All these things collectively grind on you until you just feel tired. It's like a weight on your shoulders. Sure. It's not always big things, right? Like, listen, I've been called the N-word maybe six times in my entire life, if that. But you remember every single oh, one of yeah, those I times. Every, every single one of them. Like, and they were trauma. It was traumatizing every time. But it wasn't that outward stuff. It was the little stuff. It was being, like, disregarded when I was trying to, like, give an opinion. Or it was people assuming things about me based on the fact that I was black. You know, or people, like, disregarding my opinion because I'm a woman. Or, frankly, disregarding me because I'm a black woman. I go out in public and people run their hands through my hair that I don't know. Like, strangers. It's just a bunch of little things that, like, wear on your self-esteem and also, like, are attacks on your bodily autonomy, too. Like, the hair grabbing and comments about your butt. It's just all these little things. And people don't realize they're outwardly being fucked up, but you internalize all that. So it's not even conscious. It's not like you're sitting there being like, oh, boy, this one's really gonna weigh on me. It's just that, like, over time, the the weight and the momentum of it is overwhelming. You carry it all with you. You carry it all with you until the weight gets to be too much. And I think it's hard for white men to, they don't understand that even if they're not running around yelling the N-word, there are subtle and insidious ways that you can have an impact on women, on black women, things you say, the way that you treat them, things that you assume about them. And that's hard. Like, and it's hard that you can't be sad about it. Like, you can't show emotion. You can't cry. You're not, I mean, it's weak to cry. So, you know, you want to be- That's a male, female thing, generally. Oh, it is, it is. But you want to, I think in the workplace, you want to be one of the boys because you realize that being one of the boys, like, will get you somewhere. there, yeah. Yeah, and so you just suck it up and you take all the shit because if you're being too sensitive, if somebody makes a comment about you or somebody makes a joke, then you're out of the club, you know? So you have to, like, you just internalize a bunch of shit. And that's hard. How proud were you and how happy were you when you realized that you had the vernacular to describe this thing that you you felt was not really something you could talk about out loud with privilege, with caucasity, words and concepts like that where you where you could finally like put a name to this and, and put a notion behind this thing that you'd been feeling, this emotion. I was happy that I could even talk about it. I felt like I spent a lot of time feeling this way but never ever putting any voice to it at all because I didn't want to offend people or, you know... I had like even a, with black friends, you well no talk. With black friends. Oh no, with black friends is completely different. Like okay. we, when we talk about these things, where we can talk very openly and honest about honestly about them. So it's it's I feel good. Well, I will say this to you: I don't think I had ever heard the word privilege used the way that it's commonly used until you explained it to me. 
probably explained is a soft description of yeah, what you... Yeah, I think that's polite. You said, but, but you know what? Like I was in the business of giving people free passes and it wasn't doing, it wasn't helping me out and it was actually hurting me, I felt, from a mental and kind of emotional standpoint to have to suck it up when people around me were being problematic and now I'm just like, listen, you're problematic as fuck and this is why. And I know people hate check your privilege, but people need to realize they do have privilege. Like the way they approach the world. You know, my little brother is a black man living in Arizona. He's six foot four, former college athlete. And I have to tell him all the time, if police approach you, this is what you have to do. This is what you have to say, because I don't want you to get killed. I don't think most white people have to ever do that or think about that. And every time there's a shooting, I think about that shit. Like I call my brother, I text my brother and I'm like, hey, make sure like if you're driving, you're a Connor and police in the streets, they're not your friends. Like I hate having to say all that shit, but that's just one thing that I think white people don't, and white guys who don't understand. Like it's a privilege not to have to have all this weight, the weight of all this on your shoulders, you know? Yeah. So this shit's hard. I mean, I've, I've kind of learned to live with it and have some humor about, you know, like have good humor and enjoy life. The ice cream? Yeah, well, I actually did have one of their strawberry shortcake bars the other day. and it Those was, are timeless. It was legit. Yeah. Yeah. My ice cream guy did not have them for like two weeks. And I was like, you better stop advertising those if you don't have them, man. I always feel like people don't understand like when you're privileged and people can be privileged in different ways, right? I think poor white people don't understand privilege because they say, well, I grew up poor and I did this and I did that and I didn't have everything handed to me, you know? And I can see that. Like there's economic privilege, but then there's white privilege. And white privilege is not have to walk around worrying all the time about what people will think of you, how people will perceive you feeling physically unsafe because you are a person of color. That's hard to understand if you're not a person of color. I think it's impossible to not empathize with it when you hear somebody saying what you just said and that's one of the reasons why I wanted you to say it. I have three or four listeners who are going to love this. No, but I mean, you know, I think that it's it's really important. Statistics, quantifiable, Moneyball, all that stuff really doesn't do anything, I think, yeah. to change people's minds the way that an anecdote or a story or a personal expression of emotion can do. Absolutely. And so that's why I really wanted you to explain that. And it's hard. It's hard to even put words to it. And again, like I said, for the longest time, I suppressed all that shit because I was trying so hard to fit in. So I wasn't trying to call people out on their privilege. I was just kind of like shrugging it off. But yeah, like I said, it's you walk around and I feel like I have three different bodies sometimes, right? Like I have me as a black woman and then as a woman. And I'm like constantly thinking, okay, well, I want to say this to this person, but as a black person, I don't know how it's going to be perceived. Or as a woman, I don't know how it's going to be perceived. So I'm like, there's all these layers to me, which is weird. Like it's weird to think about, but I just feel like I have these three different selves. And they're just me, me who's fucking goofy and like loves to argue with people and like loves to drink and like loves sports. And like, I call that my like white man me. I like that. (laughs) So I have like my white man me. Do you just have sex with all the secretaries? No, (laughs) I wish. (laughs) (laughs) No, but that's the me that just is uninhibited and doesn't worry about anything. But we should all be so lucky. Yeah. And most times I can't be, I can't be that me. Yeah. Sometimes I can. Is there anything you wanted to add? Anything you wanted to ask me or say or anything like that? Now's the chance. I'm actually curious. When you first met me, we first became office mates, what was your initial impression? I would use the word mean. (laughs) 
you you were you were like lovably mean, like like older brother mean. Not like like you were very sweet. And if I had a legitimate question and you could tell that I was actually like, what the fuck do I do about something? You were always like, oh, like this is stupid, and the person who asked you for that is dumb, and like you don't need to worry about. Oh, you know what I remember? You had an altercation with the certain she who shall not be named, and I counseled. Oh, yeah. I counseled. That's you. when we became boys. I believe I gave you probably bad advice, but to confront. To this confront. Person? Was that I, bad advice? Um, I think we all could have been a little more diplomatic about it, but I think that I was trying to get revenge on this person and I was using you as a, a tool. Happy to help. Gossip drama aside, my first impressions of you were, oh, like, she's definitely into gangster rap and, like, she must love the NBA. Uh, <laughs> love Caesar salad. <laughs> Caesar salad. I never should have told you about that, but oh, I... You don't have told everybody about the Caesar salad. <laughs> it's true. Or I, Thousand Island. I have told... I was a waiter at a very shitty steakhouse on Long Island for many years and the stereotype I observed among African Americans who would sit at my tables is that they loved you got a salad with every entree and they loved either Caesar salad or the house salad with Thousand Island dressing and I stupidly told Janelle this and now she was like apparently told all these people about her crazy racist I've white friend I told it to every black person I know like, what did they, they say? I mean some of the, most people are like yeah I do love a Caesar salad <laughs> <laughs> Well, because it's like panzanella. How? There's croutons. No, it's, I don't know. It's panzanella is like a southern black thing, I also right? think it's just because it's drowning in fucking, like, dressing. dressing. I mean, this also was not, like, a yeah, classy place. Exactly. It's yeah. not the one with, like, the nice chopped up anchovies and shit in it. So. No, definitely not. Definitely not. It was the kind of place where people were like, are there anchovies <laughs> in the salad? No, ma'am, no, there's no anchovies. Okay, make sure there's no anchovies, please. So, yeah, I think uh, your stereotype is probably correct. Thank you so much for coming on The Brick, Jay. You are one of the friends I value the most, and I really appreciate you doing this. Thanks for having me. I quite enjoyed it, and I will come back anytime you want me. Magic number nine. No, in German. Nine episodes. Did I catch a niner in there? Were you calling from a walkie-talkie? Do you have a favorite 2019 song of the summer? Have a fine bone to pick about gay face? Did you go to high school with Janelle? Email podcastbricolage at gmail.com and tell me about it. I'm losing my hair and I need your affection. This has been Bricolage, created and hosted by Lev. Thanks for listening all the way to the end. Theme song, sponsor song, and trivia song written by Alex Schiff. Creative Commons attribution credits are in the text description of each episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please subscribe on iTunes and leave us a good review on the internet. And if you didn't, it's entirely fair to blame it on Mitch McConnell. See you next time.